0: Even men like Talon Cod occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber.
1: You are listening to episode 27 of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of the new Star Wars releases from Dark Horse Comics and Del Rey Books. I'm your host, Teresa Delgado, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Goins. Hey, Aaron.
2: Hey, Teresa. We got some cool news to talk about tonight, don't we?
1: We do, and we have somebody new to the show as well. Um, he is a member of the Jedi News team. He's been writing comic reviews and stuff since April, and that would be PT Thorogood. Um, hey, how are you?
0: Oh, yeah, good, Thanks.
1: It's really early in the morning for you, but we appreciate you being here.
0: Oh, my pleasure.
1: So, on this episode, um, we are going to be discussing the comic volumes Dawn of the Jedi Force War and Legacy Prisoners of the Floating Ring. So, we'll get to those in a little bit, but we have some news we want to cover first. So, Aaron. Before we get
2: into news, I wanted to just give you a shout out, Teresa, because I don't think I've had a chance to. Say anything about this on air yet, but how awesome your interview with Drew Carpition was! Oh, that was thanks. so good! Like, I, I missed it, I was sad that I didn't get to do it. I know we kind of talked about it, you know, when we recorded the intro to the interview, but yeah, you did such a good job on that, and we've gotten a lot of great feedback. So, thanks for doing that. That was awesome!
1: Yeah, no problem. Well, Drew's really easy to talk to, and um. You know he he has such a great way of putting things together. So I think he did a really good job with everything that he talked about. I'm excited to read his fantasy series. So yeah, Can't I'm going to
2: pick those up for sure. But that was a great interview. Um, but yeah, so on to the things that we're going to talk about before the reviews. Uh, we did have a book for a book club this past month. So for July, we did do a book club book which was Deceived by Paul Kemp. Um, did you finish it, Teresa?
1: I actually am close to finishing it. I'm reading it on audiobook I should be finishing it tomorrow You're
2: I would reading think. it on audiobook
1: I'm listening reading <laughs> I'm reading whatever you know what I mean <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah but I to... I like
1: I actually really like the audiobook for this one. it's pretty awesome
2: yeah how does the uh, yeah. how does Darth Mows's voice sound it Do does it match pretty well to his voice in the uh, video game trailers?
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I really love – you get to hear his thoughts in a certain voice. You get to hear him without his, like, breather in a certain voice. And then with the breather on, it's, like, awesome.
2: Oh, it's so they actually cool. change it up. That's pretty cool.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, PT, it's really awesome. PT, have you read Deceived?
0: Uh, I haven't read Deceived yet. Um, but I think, by the way, you're talking about I'm definitely missing out on something.
1: It's a really good book. If you like the old Republic era, like time frame, it's a really good one. Um, I really like the way that the story the story flows and some of the things that they explore as far as the force goes in this particular book. So, um, and so our book club's kind of a good way to get into reading certain books because we take votes and then everybody kind of reads them together and we discuss them on good reads. So it's kind of neat.
0: Oh nice.
2: And I have to admit, I actually haven't finished it yet, but I have a day. I think we have until tomorrow to finish this before we move on to... uh, Are we going to do an August book? Have we decided yet?
1: We haven't decided, but you do have some time because remember, we are going to do kind of like a discussion in Goodreads right at the beginning of August to kind of go over Deceived. So you have a couple of days. Okay. So we had some news that came out. We had three new comics announced from Marvel did both of you freak out when you saw this?
0: I didn't freak out. Uh, I mean, Dark Horse have done a lot of Darth Vader series um, yep. and uh, I think a couple of Princess Leia series maybe. So I think they're Marvel just trying to carry uh, the legacy on of uh, Dark Horse a bit. Um, so I reckon they'll kind of try and act like Dark Horse a bit and kind of do some... Of Dark Horse's uh, last publications, uh, but in the Marvel name, then I reckon they'll kind of in the next year or so they'll make it. They'll make it into their kind of something of their own.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm. I was pretty underwhelmed by the announcement, but I mm. kind of expected it because I figured that Marvel was gonna play it safe initially. I was mm. hoping they would prove me wrong. I was hoping that they would kind of do something outside of the box. But yeah, getting a basically, you know, a Darth Vader series, a Princess Leia series, and a you know, group series from the you know original trilogy cast just is nothing that excites me. We've seen that so many times in Dark Horse comics, and even just you know with the the current Star Wars run that's going right now with Dark Horse, um, you know, we we we've already tread that ground so. I don't know what else or how else they can do it that would really get me excited.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was kind of the same way just because I'm not really interested in the Darth Vader thing. Um, And you know me, I tend to be a little bit more Old Republic and prequel era than I am original trilogy. But um, I did really love what I got to see as far as the artwork for the Princess Leia comic. So I'm actually kind of stoked about a Princess Leia thing. (laughs)
2: yeah I mean the covers all look great and I mean I don't know much about Marvel's like their writers I don't I don't read a lot of Marvel comics so a lot of people are excited for these writers I don't know anything about them so I don't you know maybe they're going to bring something to the table that you know Dark Horse didn't have maybe they're going to come at it from a different angle that we never thought about that's going to make it really cool but right now just based on the announcement I'm not super excited about it. But maybe the one I would be the most excited about would be the, the Leia one, just because it seems the most different from what we've already seen.
1: And I, I honestly, I was kind of a little bit bummed when I saw who the main creatives were because I was hoping there was going to be a girl and there's not. So maybe soon in the future. But that was something I was kind of hoping for that Marvel would be like, okay, well, let's bring in a girl comic book you know, writer. And, uh, no, not yet anyway.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, days.
2: Yeah, definitely early days. But, um, I did, I did tweet that I was a little underwhelmed and I actually got a reply from Jen Heddle at Lucasfilm and she said, just wait something to that effect. I'm, I'm not quoting her here, but basically she was saying, you know, keep your eyes open. There's more, there's more announcements coming. So maybe there's a couple other series they haven't announced yet. Uh, coming from Marvel that are a little bit different, something maybe a little bit more um, not so vanilla, I guess I'll say.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it.
2: I need something exciting. I need like Dawn of the Jedi type stuff. I need Quinlan Voss, you know, something that's original, something different, you know, not something that oh. I've already seen a million times.
1: Well, hey, guess what? You're going to get that. <laughs> Only you're going to get it in a book.
2: In book form, yes. That is awesome. I mean, okay, Teresa, you, you texted me this news, and I, we can't say what my reaction was because it's not appropriate for our,
1: our podcast. <laughs> no, it's not.
2: But, yeah, that was that is, like, the top... If I had a wish list for what I would want from Star Wars books, comics, whatever, my, probably at the very top of that wish list would have been a novel about Quillen Voss. Like, that's the one thing that I've been wanting to get. Well, and I mean, he
1: is your favorite character.
2: Well, he's definitely he's one of my favorite characters for sure from the expanded universe at least. Yeah. But I yeah, I definitely I've always wanted to get a novel with him and, you know, we're finally getting it.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a new book um coming from Del Rey that they announced at San Diego Comic-Con and it is going to be featuring Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss and the basics behind it is it's coming from the scripts of the Clone Wars that never came out. And So for anybody that loves the Clone Wars like me, like Aaron, and I'm sure like you, P.T., um, we might actually get the wrap-ups of some of these characters. And Mm. that's exciting because we're getting the wrap-up of Darth Maul um, in comic book form. And now we know we're getting possibly, I mean, we don't know what the book is going to be, but possibly the wrap-up of Quinlan Vos and Asajj um, in novel form, which I think is just a really cool, really cool thing.
2: Inventress, really i don't think she's been explored in the novels i've ne- i didn't read the clone wars uh the novels that were based on the clone wars series so maybe she was explored a little bit there and i missed it uh, but yeah i think in Quinland Clint- quinlan voss never has been explored in the novels either so this is two new characters to the novels um both very f- big fan favorites you know either comic book fans or you know, Clone Wars fans that's two of the favorite characters out there and to put them both in the same and I know when, when uh, Dave Filoni did that post on StarWars.com and he actually did some hand drawn sketches um, of some of the episodes that didn't get released and there was sketches of Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress and there was actually one of him like carrying her um, you know like she's been injured or something which you know would be really interesting to see uh, you know what all that was about and I know when I saw those sketches, I was like, oh, I need to know that story, and I was hoping that it would eventually be released as a comic. I never even thought it would be released as a novel, which is even better. So yeah, this is awesome news. The only the only hang-up I have with it is how Christy Golden, the author, is going to come at it. If she's going to basically base his or Quinlan Voss's character on just what we saw in that one episode of The Clone Wars where he was kind of this cocky, almost like surfer dude kind of personality? Or is she going to draw anything from the comics where we had a much darker character? So it'll be interesting to see where she goes with it or if she kind of melds it together.
1: That will be interesting, but I do love the fact that it is Christy Golden that is writing this book. I'm actually kind of excited about it just because, I mean, they could have gone with, you know, and here I go again, they could have gone with another, like, Traditional male author, and they didn't, and I'm excited. But did you notice, or either of you notice, in this preview image that Asajj has hair? No. Yeah.
0: Really?
1: She has hair. So. No, I mean it's like I mean it's like a short like pixie cut, sort of like um, you know Buck from um, Battlestar Galactica, but um, like. Yeah, she's got hair.
2: Yeah, it's, I think it's a weird look for her. <laughs> and it's like uh she's got the white skin and then her hair is uh very blonde. light as well. Yeah, so it's kind of a weird a weird look. I, I don't think it's her best look. I think she looks better bald, but
1: I wish she could have like red hair.
2: Do you remember when like they show when they had her in the Clone Wars cartoon, they showed her training as a Jedi when
1: mm-hmm. she was very
2: young and she had hair then as well. So I guess it makes sense that she can grow hair. It's that's that's already been established, but <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting. I think other people were pointing out she has like a yellow lightsaber in the picture, which I don't know. You know, um, it's Is that right? That's you...
1: hard. It's hard to tell what color it is. I mean, Quinlan Vos' is obviously green. I'm looking at it right now. It looks yellow, but to be fair, you have a background of red right and orange behind you so it's kind of hard to tell if it would actually be yellow
2: and a lot of times book covers really take liberties with that type of thing so just because her lightsaber is yellow on the cover of the book doesn't necessarily mean that she's carrying a yellow lightsaber now um but yeah so a lot of people were pointing that out because in the clone wars you know the only characters that have yellow lightsabers are the uh the jedi temple guards so you know people were going off with all kinds of theories about how she got a hold of one of those so it's it's interesting, but we really don't have much information about it other than the fact that the author is Christy Golden. I think it's coming out uh, summer of 2015, and um, it's going to be about Quinlan Voss and of interest, and that's pretty much all we know.
1: Yep. And um, PT, are you interested in this book at all?
0: I would definitely be interested in this book because uh, you know, the Clone Wars is what did it for me with Star Wars. That's what uh, I kind of fell in love with first. So, uh, kind of anything and everything to do with Clone Wars, I'm always open to. Um, and so, the books, um, that will definitely be um, something to look forward to. Um, so, And you know, Quinlan Vos, um, I saw, I've never really read about him. Um, I saw, I think, a cosplay, uh, like a, a guy dressed up as him, actually, at uh, Celebration Europe uh, 2 uh, in in back last year. And uh, I really liked um, the vibe I was getting off of him. He seemed like a really kind of cool character, like you said, and a bit of a kind of surfer dude. And I think kind of um, he just looked like a really interesting character. So I think uh, there would definitely be a book to, uh, on my shopping list. Yeah, yeah I would you, recommend.
1: I think you'd like him.
2: I'd mm. recommend checking out the comics that he's in, uh, the Dark Horse comics that he's in in the Republic series. Uh, mm. There's a couple... Like he was pretty much a main focus character for a very long time during that run. So try to find the ones that he's in, and uh, like it's him and Ala Sakura, who also shows up in the Clone Wars. Um, you know, are kind of two main characters, and there's all kinds of stuff with him trying to hunt down the Sith, and you know, c- confrontations with Count Dooku, and it's it's a really cool series. So I would definitely recommend checking that one out uh, if you get a chance, PT. Yeah.
1: So, uh- there's actually an omnibus that I have that uh, is Quinlan and Ayla. Um, I'd have to grab it, but there. Yeah, I have it. It's sitting right behind me, but so they're I'll all. grab it. They collected them all. And,
2: uh, okay, go grab it. But yeah, so uh, PT, did you check out any of the
0: the Republic series of comics back when they were out? Um, I don't think I did um, because. I've because uh, I haven't been into comics that long. I've always liked collecting them when I was um, quite small. Um, I've always enjoyed kind of like collecting them, getting random ones, but uh, there are public ones. I'll have to check out definitely, uh, probably on Dark Horse Digital, to see if I can get a bundle of them. Oh, um, yeah, cause it, really, it does sound like a good storyline.
2: Yeah, maybe after the, after the show, I'll shoot you an email with my recommendations. I'll give you some links, yeah. but yeah, there's some. Some of my favorite comics were kind of in that Clone Wars era um, featuring you know characters like Quinlan Voss and there's a lot of Mace, Mace Windu stuff in there, and uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan, and Asajj Ventress actually makes a lot of appearances. So yeah, it's a, that's a great run of comics.
0: Awesome.
1: So the omnibus is called Quinlan Voss Jedi in Darkness, and ah. um, yeah, it's got, it's, it's a good size. It's like really, it's big but all the omnibuses are big, so if you can, I mean, you could always just get that, and then you have them all in one place, so let's see, what else, I guess this this next story, um, Aaron found, actually,
2: well, I saw this come across Twitter uh, the other day, and I just thought it was interesting to kind of get an author's take on kind of the new, you know, we know that the the expanded universe as we know it has changed. You know everything that was currently there is now considered legends, and all the new stuff that they're coming out with, like these new comics that they announced and the new novel with Quinlan Vos and Asajj Ventress, that's actually going to be part of the main Star Wars canon. Um, but in, a lot of people were thinking it was kind of like a like a line drawn in the sand. You know if it happened already and if it's considered legend legends, then it's pretty much going to be disregarded. But it was kind of interesting because John Jackson Miller, who is uh, author of Kenobi and he's also the author of the upcoming uh, A New Dawn Rebels novel, um, he was being interviewed and he had an interesting quote that I thought was, you know, at least worthy of bringing up and maybe we can discuss it a little bit. We don't have to get into it too much, but um, let's see here. What does he say? So he says, I really think it's a mistake for people to play the canon, not canon parlor game. What they said when they made the announcement is that the previous material wasn't being discarded. It would be drawn from. Inspirations and ideas would come from it. The planets are the same. The species are the same. You know the Rebels series uses the same manufacturer of TIE fighters that was introduced in the role-playing games years ago. My book revolves around a strategic compound that I introduced back in the KOTOR years ago. The universe is the same. So it's interesting just to kind of hear him say that That they're not, you know, it's not like they're reinventing the entire universe of Star Wars with these new books and stuff as they come out. They're still using a lot of these elements, you know, from stuff that he's written before. You know, he's pulling from his old Knights of the Old Republic stuff. He's pulling from, you know, other things. Rebels is pulling from, you know, some of the old role playing games. So I think that's good as a fan of some you know, someone like me who's a big fan of all the the old EU stuff. It's really cool to see that they're they're not completely disregarding it, and they are—they are using a lot of elements.
1: Oh, it's definitely good. I mean, if they weren't, it might be kind of a tragedy and something to maybe be upset about. But there's no way that they can't draw from it. There's just—I mean, how do you, how do you not?
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's—it's it, it's, there's so much information out there. It would almost, yeah, it wouldn't make sense for them to completely reinvent the entire. The entire world, they have so much to draw from. But it'll be interesting to see, like authors like John Jackson Miller, um, even Drew Karpyshyn. Who knows? Maybe he'll write another Star Wars novel eventually in the new canon. And it'll be kind of cool to see if they're going to start drawing in some of the stuff they created in the old EU into the new stuff. You know, it's got to be tempting for them to to bring in some of that stuff to kind of make it canon now, because. You know, now they now they have that ability. Once once one of these authors gets the call from Lucasfilm to write a novel, now they're writing canon. So, um, you know, it'll be it'll be cool to see if they they try to pull in some of their favorite characters, and we'll see what happens.
1: I think it'll be easier for authors that have written in this time frame, you know. But like for for Drew, it would be harder because all of his stuff is old Republic. I mean, it would be probably ridiculously harder. <laughs>
2: Yeah, if they have him write a novel in, like, the these eras, he, I could see him making some sort of a reference, you know, to an Old Republic event just to kind of make it canon. Um, but, yeah, who knows? But, yeah, oh, yeah, I just thought it would be interesting to kind of bring that up um, and just mention it. What Do you have any thoughts on it, PT? Uh,
0: yeah, I think it'd be um I think it'd be nice if he did pull some inspiration from it because um, I think fans um, possibly older fans who read the book will recognize if he does use it inspiration from the EU he'll rec- they'll recognize some of that uh, the readers will recognize some of the kind of um, um, sections taken from the EU. So I think uh, that would then also help make uh, maybe rebels, uh, Seem more attractive to uh, older generations as well, possibly. So I think that'd be nice, and uh, just to just to keep the kind of um, I think it'd be nice to keep the kind of EU spirit and kind of everything uh, non-canon still going. Uh, like you said, it kind of maybe like a legacy um, for kind of later generations who won't possibly know what it is, sadly. Um so yeah I think it'll be it'll be it'll be nice um so I think it'll and I think when you pull things from the EU um it gives you more uh, stability um kind of a stable base for when you're writing a novel because um it's kind of built on more um ideas which, which have actually existed, so kind of it's that um you've got less of a chance of uh, making or uh, making the fans unhappy. So I think if you could always pull some inspiration and kind of try and base some it from something of the past of Star Wars, it would always uh, help a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's about making everything accessible to your readers. And I think that Del Rey and, you know, is in charge, I think they know that. And, yeah. you know, I just, I think that what happened... And Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but um, I think it's just that sort of like the fans kind of panicked mm. instead of it being, you know, just, a, OK, you know, it's legends. But what does that mean? And waiting for for Delray to tell us, you know, what it would mean as far as books go. And I think the fans just sort of like kind of panicked and ran with it. But that's just me.
2: Yeah, and even an announcement that they made about legend about the legends and about the new books, um, as clear as their announcement was, there's still so many different ways people are interpreting it. Like in you know, is it a alternate universe now legends or is it just literally a legend? Did it actually ever happen? You know, there's there's other theories that everything in legends did happen until it's contradicted. So there's all these different ways that people are still interpreting it. And there's, that's just the fans. That's how fans are going to be, especially fans of books. You know, they, they like to get into the details. So no one will ever accept a clear answer. That it's always going to be somewhat muddled exactly what these things mean. But it's kind of the fun of it, I think.
1: Are you all ready to jump into some comic reviews? Sure thing. Okay, so just really quick what our spoiler policy is. We typically wait about a month after the release date to review a book or a comic. So if we're reviewing it, it's been out for a little bit, and so you can expect full spoilers. So we may mention things. So if you haven't read Dawn of the Jedi Force War or um, Legacy Volume 2, then now's a good time to pause it. Go to your nearest comic book store or your app on um, the Dark Horse app. And get them, read them, and then hit play. So the first one up is going to be Dawn of the Jedi Force War. Its original release date was June eleventh, twenty fourteen, and the awesome writing and artist team of John Ostrander and Jan Derisma um, did this one, as they have done all of the Dawn of the Jedi comics. Can anybody tell that I like this already? <laughs> <laughs> And the timeline is about 25,000 years before the Battle of Yavin and some change.
2: (laughs) You're not going to. 25,792 years before the Battle of Yavin. (laughs) I love how specific they get with the date there. We we know the exact year that this event happened.
1: So the publisher's summary is as follows. The Rakata, powerful users of the dark side of the Force, have invaded the Titan system to enslave the Jedi. With force sabers in hand, the Jedi fight, led by Mad Jedi Dagan Locke and the mysterious Force hound Zesh. But when Zesh is captured, the direction of the war is changed.
2: Yeah, so this is the end. This is the end of Dawn of the Jedi.
1: And I'm sad. I am crying inside.
2: It only got, I think, fifteen issues, and then I'm s-
1: and I'm gonna cry.
2: And then done. Yeah, it's kind of it is a it is a victim of the the mar the move to Marvel. So as far as we know, this is the end of the story of Dawn of the Jedi, which um, you know I have some things to say about how I felt it ended, but I guess to start out, um, we had talked. You had mentioned in the the summary that the Jedi are being led by Dagon Locke and Zesh, which I found kind of interesting because Dagon Locke was the the crazy Jedi that got sent to the moon and... um,
1: To Bogan.
2: To Bogan. And Zesh, you know, is this force hound who fell to their planet on this crashed ship. And now all of a sudden, they're like the two most important people that are leading the Jedi. And it makes me wonder, were there not any more qualified Jedi, you know, masters that maybe would have been better that weren't, you know, as in touch with the dark side? Did, did either of you think it was a little strange that these guys had come to power?
1: I didn't. But because um, they're... I, I don't know. I, I like Dagon Locke.
0: I think I wasn't too surprised. I think it was... Um, I liked it because it made, it made the story unpredictable because I think when you... If you had the other Jedi Masters... Um, uh, kind of uh, leading the armies, I think it would be quite stereotypical tactics. Um, it, I think the uh, uh, the uh, battle scenes would be a lot more boring. So I think having this kind of unpredictable um, kind of dark side YouTube and this crazy man, I think it makes the story a whole lot more kind of exciting and um, kind of it makes the reader want to read more because they want to see, will they are these gonna, are they going to succeed or are they going to fail? Because it's that kind of like, he's crazy, but he could be so crazy, he's actually quite clever, and it's that kind of whole mental game.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the comic opens up on a Jedi seer, which this first page, and Aaron, I've told you this before, that like for me, comics, it has to be like the art has to capture me right at the beginning in order for me to stay interested, and Mm. that almost always happens with um, stuff that's done by this team, but specifically the Dawn of the Jedi, and just that first page where she's just kind of like it's almost kind of religious in a way because she's got like this just white aura completely around her. It's just like I was like, well, that's gorgeous.
2: Yeah, that is a that's a really great image that starts out, and yeah, she's she is probably um, Jan uh, Durisma is probably my favorite of the Star Wars artists. I mean yes, she, she just, does
1: a great job.
2: Yeah, she is the highest quality when it comes to, to art in Star Wars, in my opinion at least. But yeah, that first image is very stunning. But then you flip to the next page. Which you... is
1: just as stunning, even though you don't like it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and This is one of the big problems I have with the comic, and that's the, the villains, the bad guys. I've never, I've never seen the Rakata as like, I don't know, something about the way they're designed. They don't look threatening. And I just, I've never liked them. And then now this is a new thing to me. Apparently these, these, uh, flesh, what are they called? Flesh something? Flesh,
1: Ra- flesh Raiders.
2: Flesh Raiders. Apparently they've been in the video game. I never played. They
1: are, the- yeah, they're in the MMO.
2: I never played the MMO. So I did I've never seen these things before, but to me, they're, they're borderline comical looking and definitely not what I would look for in like a a cool looking villain and it came to mind that they look like the uh the cartoon that i used to watch when i was a kid called street sharks did you you guys are probably too young to remember that
1: i'm not i remember that
2: (laughs) yeah it's basically like teenage mutant ninja turtles except they're sharks and that's kind of the first thing that popped into my head when i saw these guys i was like it looks like street sharks with lightsabers
0: awesome um kind of geonosians a bit with their eyes where they kind of go out a bit and their kind of whole posture and the way they stand and uh, their kind of skin tone. I thought it was very geonosian.
1: Yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, but, like, if you look at just, like, that second page, the detail in their muscles and in their, like, their head design and their mouth, it's just insane. Like, I know that, Aaron, you don't like the way they look, but if you just look at that page for the artwork and it having like a word on there, it's yeah. just you totally get what's happening.
2: Oh, yeah. And I mean the, the very top panel on that, that page there, you know, where they're coming out of the mist, you know, that looks amazing. Um, you know, the, the scene on the bottom where, some you know, somebody's coming up out of the ground, it looks like. But, yeah, so like it looks like the art looks good. I'm just saying the character design is not, for me, it doesn't work. And that actually, because they were such a big element in the comic, it kept bothering me as I went through. So
1: I, I can see that. Just
2: personal taste, but yeah, I wasn't a big fan.
1: So let's talk about the Force Sabers a little bit here. Because these aren't actually, they're not lightsabers.
2: But they're they are. They're
1: Force Sabers. No, they're Force Sabers.
2: <laughs> you can call it whatever you want. It's a lightsaber.
1: No, it's not. I don't know. It's What's not... the difference?
2: I guess they're they're being powered by the dark side. Is that right?
1: Yes. And wielding them re- re- like requires you to become an unbalanced person and to delve into your dark side in order to be able to wield them. So it's almost, in a weird way, encouraging the Jedi to go dark. And you can definitely see that with Shay throughout the the entire comic you can see like her tipping more towards the dark side and i kind of got a little bit scared for her at times
2: well in the dawn of the jedi stuff comics book they they kind of explain that the jedi or the yeah the jedi at this point are a little bit different than jedi that we know in the more modern stuff in that they actually don't necessarily try to avoid the dark side they're trying to be more in balance Right. So they're okay with tipping a little bit to the dark side, um, if they have to.
1: Right, a, but she, she's going like too far.
2: Yes. Oh, and all the Jedi in this in this series do. And that's kind of I think part of the story is that this war has come to them and be and because of the war, you know, they're all kinda of going dark. So it's it is definitely an interesting dynamic. But I thought the the fact that they have four sabres it was a little bit of a cheat, you know. They this early in the history of the Jedi, I would have kind of rather they had stayed a little bit more um, medieval, you know. Maybe I know in the novel, you know, the character in the novel uses a sword, and you know that I f- would have found maybe a little bit more interesting the fact that they put lightsabers. And I get it, you know, that people are probably not going to want to buy a Star Wars comic with Jedi not using lightsabers. So I get why they did it, but it does seem a little bit of a cheat to kind of introduce the lightsabers this early in the history?
1: They're not lightsabers.
2: Darksaber. Lightsaber <laughs> or no. For, force saber. Dark, okay.
1: dark, dark
2: light, force. They're all the same thing. But, I mean, this um, has to be the birth of the lightsaber, right? I mean, this is how they, the Jedi learned to make a lightsaber. They're just going to figure out how to make it without
0: the dark side.
1: I guess so. PT, what about you?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I just... Um... I quite like the point actually uh, about the bringing in the, uh, the uh, sorry four savers um, a bit too early because um, yeah, kind of I completely forgot about the um, swords. Um, so yeah, I think reflecting on it, I'd I think I would have also preferred if they were to use um, kind of swords. I think more not for the actual storyline and the war, but I think more for um, George Lucas's kind of. Um, you know where he got his inspiration from the samurai and the katanas and the jewels. Um, I think it, it would have been quite awesome uh, to see kind of the classic that that inspiration he got from the kind of Japanese jewels. I, I think it would have been cool if he could have, or well, not him personally, but uh, the um, writers could have maybe put that in uh, with the swords. Um, so I think, um, I think, yeah, I think the chain, the force. Uh, sabers was I think purely because um, they're probably quite they probably would have thought or been a bit worried about what the audience's reaction to be like um, because you know uh, classically uh, Jedi don't use lot la- um, uh, weapons of steel so that I think um, they wanted to keep it try and keep it a bit more classic with the four sabers
1: yeah it's definitely a move in that direction I didn't really have a problem with it, but...
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, overall, yeah, we... I, I still enjoyed it.
2: So one of the main elements to this story, I thought, was kind of the relationship between uh, Shaykota and Zesh. And, I mean, I, I feel like everything I'm saying about this comic is negative. I, I really enjoyed Dawn of the Jedi, but out of the three volumes, I feel like this one was my least favorite. But I think that that whole romance element that they added to this comic like i liked the hints at the romance in the earlier comics but this one kind of um it was more of a main feature and definitely another thing that wasn't my taste for per se to 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 read about kind of their romantic relationship um what was your reaction to it teresa
1: good Uh, i'll go after pt i want to hear what you guys
2: you want to hear the guy's perspective yeah yeah what do you think pt Uh,
0: I thought it was, um, yeah, it was quite, uh, I didn't. I thought that bit was a bit uh, kind of stereotypical, um, kind of like driven, war driven by love. Um, I thought they could have, well, I was thinking, I was reading it, how else could have they, uh, how else would they finish that or kind of what was, because I think the, like earlier you were saying, uh, Teresa, about... Um, Shay. Shay as it. I think you uh, Shay was, was getting into that dark side um because I think a lot of it was driven by um her love for uh Zesh. So I think um the I think it was a nice um thing to end on, but I think they could have maybe if they had a bit more time they could have thought about maybe a different ending to go with.
1: Yeah, I mean I I can see how you guys feel about that. But I feel like Zesh and Shay to develop their character to kind of in the story they needed to do something like this and finally bring them together and let the readers see them brought together. And let's keep in mind everybody that 50% of Star Wars fans are girls and they kind of wanted to see or at least I did. I wanted to see these two come together and it was a really nice segment of scenes, it's in the second issue where you get to see them finally come together and, you know, say that they love each other and, but I love the fact that Zesh, you know, says that he doesn't know how to love and he doesn't know what that even means because he wasn't bred to pretty much have those feelings so I kind of like all that um, it does cause her to dive really deep into the dark side because she's, you know, more concerned about Zesh than she is about the well-being of you know, the rest of the Jedi. But at the by the time she gets to the end, you know, she kind of comes, comes around full circle. Um, so we kind of get to see that development. But it didn't bother me purely because of that. Um, and the fact that it was just, it was a really nice change of pace instead of it just being like constant battle scenes, battle scenes, battle scenes.
2: Well, 90, uh, 99% of the comic was still constant battle scenes. <laughs> just we did get a little tent scene with them. And the, their their little uh their love that they found for each other and it just was all a little too sappy for me that's all I mean <laughs> but I, I I get that you know there's all kinds of people out there that like different types of stories and I'm sure there were plenty of people that enjoyed that and i I wish I mean I was shipping them since the first comic like I wanted them to end up together but um yeah just a little bit maybe a little bit too much for my taste in this one
1: And she's very pretty. She is. She's my favorite character.
2: Like, I love her character in this comic. And maybe that was part of it, too, um, because she just seems so smitten. And I guess I wanted to see her maybe be a little bit more level-headed about it.
1: Well, you know, when people are smitten, they're not always level-headed. This is true. So, more power to them and may their love last forever. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, what about the character of Trill? Trill. And her betrayal, and like I want to hear what you guys have to think about this, but one of the scenes that I really liked with Trill was when um like it's in the first issue when she's kind of like coming on to Secnos <laughs> at one point, and I was like, well, that's just weird.
2: Which one <laughs> was Secnos if... again? is he the uh the Sith he's... guy?
1: He no, he's the red the red Jedi like.
2: He's a Sith. The like, Sith species.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Mean,
2: yeah, I thought that Trill. Trill was an interesting character. I thought they were kind of going with the the storyline that she was going to become good, um, mm-hmm. and she was going to be an ally of theirs, and she was for for a little bit, but then they flipped it on us, which I think is good. It's it caught me off guard. I was surprised that they they had her kind of double cross them. Um, so it was good storytelling.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that.
2: Hmm.
1: But she just does a character, like, some of the, one of the things that was interesting about all the characters in this comic is all the, like, weird shapes they have on their faces.
2: Oh, like the tattoos?
1: <laughs> yeah, like the, the, the purple sort of, like, parallelogram, and then, like, the green triangle, and then on Trill, there's that red, like, whatever, like, like at at her...
2: arrow or something almost. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's Uh, got facial tattoos apparently back in the this era. Mm. Mike Tyson would have fit in well. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: What did you think about Trill, PT?
0: Uh, Yeah, I I really uh, liked the character. I thought it was. I was quite again uh, quite shocked when she did actually turn back to the dark side because I think there was a scene uh, in Volume Three where. The bombardment happens um, on um, the Rakata and uh, um, she gets picked up by um, the big red fellow, uh, what's his name? Seknos. Seknos.
1: Yeah,
0: Seknos. Uh, Sek-nos. And uh, I, thought, I thought their relationship was going to develop into a kind of uh, Shay and Jess, uh, Jess uh, kind of relationship. Um, so I was a bit, I felt a bit sorry for Seknice to be honest, um, because I think he liked her a bit. Um, but I think her visually, her character suited um, kind of evil very well. The kind of red and white and uh, her facial expressions were really kind of uh, hate it, hatred and she kind of enjoyed it. So um, I kind of, I liked her for the evil perspective, but I kind of um, didn't like her in the betrayal part with the Jedi. And I uh, kind of overall felt a bit sorry for Seknos.
1: Yeah, there's a a series of panels where um, Zesh finds her and you can tell he doesn't trust her. And then she's kind of, you know, pulling that whole girl thing like, oh, help me, you know. Mm. Um, but there's something about Trill that I like and I think it's because she reminds me of Harley Quinn from Batman.
0: That was it, yeah. That's yeah,
1: it. she, she yeah. very much reminds me of Harley Quinn because Harley does a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, she uses like her, her woman powers, if you will, you know, to try and like seduce people. And it's just, um, Trill does a lot of that. So there's a very, there's kind of like a parallel there that I found. And of course she's like all the same colors. Um, so I thought that was cool. It was like having Batman in Star Wars.
2: Hmm. <laughs> well, let's, so... let's, uh, kind of, wrap this one up a little bit uh we can kind of give our final thoughts um so we can move on to the the legacy comics one of the things that i felt was a a weak point of this comic was just i think they knew that they had to end the story because they you know they knew this was going to be the the last you know the last few issues of the comic and they weren't going to be able to do any more dawn of the jedi i don't think that was probably the plan initially they probably thought this was going to go on much longer than 15 issues so it did feel a little rushed. It felt like they were trying to, you know, have every character have their moment. You know, some of the characters that we haven't seen that much were showing up in space battles, and, you know, different Jedi Masters were kind of showing up here and there, and it was kind of hard to keep track of, like, who was who. And it did seem a little rushed toward the end um, that they were trying to wrap everything up. And, you know, I think I think that kind of weakened the story a little bit for me uh, personally.
1: I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, Um, I do, I do think it was rushed, and I think that's it makes me sad because they definitely could have gone a lot longer and sort of drawn this out. I don't mind the way that it ended. I just sort of wish there had been more time mm. to sort of tell more story for it. And PT, what about you?
0: Um, yeah, I think it was. I did find at the end it was a bit. Um... It kind of all boiled down to um, just them um, walking off. I thought it was a nice, it was a nice ending, but yeah, I did feel it was the. Um, I think they had maybe stretched a couple of uh, scenes out too long. Um, like I loved the, I loved the fighting scenes, uh, which went on for as a lot of them. Um, but I think some of them they'd stretched out a bit too far, which then meant that the ending was very. Um, kind of compact. They didn't have many. Um, they didn't have. They didn't leave much space for that. Um, so I thought it was um, a slightly uh, abrupt ending. Um, but overall, I still enjoyed it. And the other thing is, I suppose you don't know how much the um, how much uh, the time the team had, the um, writers and illustrators had on it. Because I mean, if they only had had like really short notice about it that It had to be wrapped up and uh they only had like a certain amount of time to do it then uh, that's one key factor which always plays in comics i think
1: yeah i mean i would be curious to know just you know how much lead time they had to know or in advance so that they could figure out what they were going to do with their story
2: mm-hmm.
1: but i wish there was going to be more dawn of the jedi
2: yeah i'm with you on that teresa i it, it was a it was a good enough series that I wish it would go on and there are, you know, some interesting characters. I really liked Zesh. I liked uh, Shay. Um, I thought Dagan Locke was interesting, although he's, you know, he's not, not necessarily a character you're going to root for because he's kind of a bad guy. But, you know, he was definitely an interesting character. So, and all of those characters at the end are kind of going off on their own, you know, journeys and it'll be interesting to see. Who knows? I mean, maybe someday... We'll get some sort of closure to some of these characters, um, either in you know a short story or a, a novel or, or something, um, you know, years down the road. But it might not be the last we see of Dawn of the Jedi.
0: Yeah, I hope not.
1: Yeah, and there's one character I really like that we didn't really talk about, but I would love to see what happens with Mad Dog
0: in the future.
2: Oh, is that the, is that like the lion looking guy?
1: yeah
2: Jedi or may dog or something like that
1: yeah I yeah. call him mad dog because that's what it looks like to me
2: <laughs> yeah yeah they, I mean a lot of the side characters were very interesting there was a um, a Twi'lek uh, guy that, I can't remember his name now the blue Twi'lek that was like mm-hmm. in the fighter pilot um, you know he was interesting in some of the previous volumes and they didn't really focus on him at all in this one so yeah there's there's definitely they could have gone with this series much longer um, so it is. It is sad to see it end. Mm.
1: So let's go into our next one. Um, the next one is Legacy: Outcast of the Broken Ring. It's Legacy Volume Two. Its original release date was May twenty-first of twenty fourteen. The writers are Karina Beck. I don't know how to say her last name. Bechko. Um, Gabriel Hardman, and then the artist is Brian Albert Thies. And the timeline is 138 years after the Battle of Yavin. And the publisher's summary is Anya Solo and Imperial Knight Zhao Assam break with the Galactic Triumvirate to track down the Sith Lord Darth Red. The trail leads Anya and Zhao to a dead Mon Calamari planet and another Sith Lord and his army of pirates.
2: This is a series, and I think, you know, in our last review, we both agreed that we really enjoyed the first volume of this and you know I I was really excited to get into the second volume you know to learn more about these characters because I think out of all the comics that are coming out right now these are the ones I look forward to the most I think they have the best developed characters I love the cast you know so I was I was really excited to get into this one
1: I was too um, and I actually... I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to, but, like, out of the two that we read, of course, I liked Donna the Jedi more. But um, I really love the character of Anya Solo. There's just something about her that I like. However, her particular art in this one, I don't know. I don't, I don't like what they... They kind of changed her look a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not as much digging it. I think it has to do with the hair, because they changed her hair.
2: I think she's... She's wearing it like pulled back more.
1: Yeah, which maybe
2: that's the difference. But
1: I, that is the difference. <laughs>
2: I didn't notice. I didn't notice visually a big change to her. Um, are you a fan of the art in general in this comic?
1: I like it. I don't love it.
0: Okay. What about you, PC? But I like the story. Yeah, I find the art very. Um, I find it a bit sketchy, like it's still fresh off the storyboards. Um, I find a lot of the color is quite. Um, It's quite dark and a bit blurred sometimes. Um, I do find the uh, particular style of um, drawing quite uh, really like sketchy and um, quite, uh, I wouldn't say rushed, I don't know what the word is, but um, it's definitely, um, uh, I think it kind of leaves a bit of a gap uh, sometimes for kind of um, uh, your imagination to take over a bit because a lot of the colours in Legacy uh, like, like a very kind of dark and um, kind of all kind of greys and blacks and really dark purples and reds. So um, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the uh, legacy um, artwork, but I think um, I think the deep story and because I think I find it a really uh, thick and heavy storyline. I think that does work. I think it does kind of work well with that kind of uh, line of illustrations
1: for me it's it becomes that thing of cover art versus inside art and the cover art for all of the legacy comics is stunning i love it but then Mm. you get into the actual comic and it's not as rich to me um so i think that's kind of you know aaron you know it throws me off
2: yeah and the art is a totally different type of style like coming from reading dawn of the jedi which is very clean art and you know vivid, and then you come to this and it's much more stripped down and the you know the the lines aren't as clean and but it's a it's a whole different type of art, but I actually really enjoy it. I I like the different look and I I don't know if I like it as much as I like the dawn of the Jedi style, but for what it is, I really enjoyed the art. I thought it worked well for the story.
1: So in this one we have. Um several Sith Lord type people, if you will, several Darths running around. Um, but the main one is Darth Red and he's killing off other Sith. And it appears he's trying to establish the rule of two. Um, how did you guys feel about him? Like, could you tell that he was sort of trying to get back to that point?
2: Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a, one of my favorite elements of this story was, how he is actually, even though he's a Sith, he's kind of a rogue Sith, and he's going around and killing um, these other Sith, and he's trying to kind of wipe out the Sith. And it sounds like he's really he's trying to get back to that the idea that you know two Sith that share power, um, you know, a master and an apprentice, is the right way to go. And I think that's when it gets the most interesting when it comes to Sith, you know, the, the relationship between like Plagueis and, and, um, Sidious, you know, that type of thing, or Sidious invader, you know, I've always liked the, the, you know, the Bane rule of two. So it's kind of cool to see this future Sith, uh, trying to reestablish that.
0: I think it was, uh, um, yeah, I think it's quite, uh, I like, I do, I've got to say a legacy storylines are quite original, uh, with things like this. And, um, I do like the storyline of like, uh, like you say, the the rogue Sith kind of uh, flying around uh, and trying to bring back the old ways. And um, I, I gotta say, I do like his visual appearance. his kind of like half mechanical face. It reminds me very much of kind of Darth Malgus and people like that.
2: I like how the Sith, like it's just a common thing that any Sith has to have some sort of a major injury, which uh, I love how that stays consistent throughout Star Wars. Yeah. But, um,
1: oh, or what, a breathing problem.
2: Yeah, right. So what did you guys think about his name, though? Darth Red, Like, but spelt differently, but it, obviously it sounds like the color. It, was that cheesy at all to you, or did you just kind of accept mm-hmm.
0: it? Yeah, it's a bit. I thought it was a bit... Um, yeah, kind of it reminded me of Judge Dredd for some reason. I think uh-huh. it was the red, <laughs> yeah. red rhyming, I'm too sure. But um, I thought um, it was... Uh yeah, it was something about the W they put in there. It made it kind of made it sound like he's got a lisp. Um <laughs> so I thought it was it was an interesting name. It didn't really at, at first when they first kind of say it, it kind of it like implements uh, kind of evil and then you kind of think of it and it, it sounds a bit more um a kind of a bit kind of cheesy. Um, but I'm I'm not too sure, to be honest, uh, what to think of it.
1: I don't have a thought because I didn't – I just like, okay.
2: Just accepted it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's Star Wars. I mean, there's cheesy names all throughout. We have a uh, General Grievous. I mean, you know, like there's there's all kinds of cheesy names. So I it, it fits. But, yeah, this one kind of stuck out to me. Some of these Darth names, I feel like they maybe could get a little bit more creative. But, you know, it is what it is.
1: So have have you guys been able to figure out what Anya's relationship to the solos is? Because I can't. I still haven't figured it out.
0: Uh, oh, she's not, She's not a direct offspring, is she?
2: Well, I think that's still kind of the mystery. And, I mean, we're obviously reading the trade paperback version. So, you know, there's other issues that have come out since. So maybe the mystery has already been solved for some of our listeners that read ahead but you know for me i haven't read ahead to the the future issue so as of now i don't think they've really established kind of what like we obviously know her name is solo but we don't know you know what her direct link to that family is and i know you know the empress marisai fell i believe is also a descendant of the um, of the solos through Jaina and jag fell i believe i think mm-hmm. i think that's uh, the case so She's obviously interested in learning more about Anya because uh, you know they share a lineage most likely. And there was a line in the comic I can't remember exactly what it was, but she doesn't. She doesn't Marisaya at one point say like is is it her or yeah almost like she, she does. knows and she's she's not sure if it's maybe she's like a long lost relative that you know is on the run. I don't know. I, I'd love to find out more, and I hopefully they'll they'll wrap that up before the series ends.
1: Mm. Yeah, I remember that line, it was she was in like a conference room and it was when they came in and said that they had let her go and that, you know, they didn't do a good job of kind of making her know that she was a prisoner or something like that. And she asked like if it was her and at that point I didn't know if she was saying that just because like they could possibly share a lineage and she wanted her back or if it was because Anya was some kind of major threat.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't seem like she has the force no um which is interesting and that's something i wonder if that you know maybe it's latent and it'll come out um but yeah so it, it's going to be really cool to see how it all ties up you know how it all ends up with that character but i think that's what makes her interesting
1: so how did you guys feel about seeing mon calamari and corin as slaves
0: i didn't feel it was um Um, unexpected because they are quite, um, personally, I think they're quite timid characters. Um, Well, I mean, um, the Mon Cow, I think, are quite uh, timid. They're they're always friendly. And the Quarren, from what I have read in, I think, some of the Clone Wars comics, the Clone Wars adventures, are a bit more um, kind of fierce, but I think they're not fierce enough to be kind of warriors who would... Be able to fight uh, uh, like against the mass army, especially of the Sith. So I think um, it wasn't really I, I wasn't um, kind of uh, shocked by the news. Um, but yeah, it's kind of my take on it.
2: I feel like the the Mon Calamari or the Mon Cala, if you're going by Clone Wars canon, they I feel like they get a they get beat up a lot. You know, it, in different things that I've read. You know the the dark uh, I think it was called the uh, Dark Empire comics you know they their planet gets beat up in that in those comics you know in the legacy era you know their planet basically gets ruined and also in the Clone Wars, you know there's a lot of battles there and stuff so it just seems like they're constantly getting beat up and yeah, it is kind of sad to see this this species that seems to be so friendly you know really getting the the raw end of the deal more often than not It was kind of sad for Salk you know the the character uh, Anya's friend you know for him to to see his his planet like that and um, you know he had a hope you know there was this hope going around that they were going to be able to kind of reestablish the planet but it was all just a ruse you know to get them to come there and become slaves of the Sith you know so it was it was definitely sad
1: I would agree but there's a happy ending to that i mean even though you know he has to see the planet like that you get to see them kind of come together in the end and sort of help support each other um which is pretty neat when all the water comes into the floating ring which is kind of interesting yeah because I don't know where it came from
2: (laughs) yeah I was confused about that um and I reread that part a few times to try to figure out exactly where the water was coming from um because I knew the water on the planet was obviously poisoned so it couldn't have been from the planet um was it another ship that had water on it that they that they used? I don't know. Did you pick up on that at all, PT? No,
0: I just kind of, I think I just, I didn't have any, I didn't even realize, I didn't even think about a point until um, you brought it up. But no, I didn't, I think, yeah, I think the only way is if they got another ship. But I didn't, I just kind of, I just enjoyed the fact that there was water in a massive floating broken ring in space, so.
2: <laughs> what did you guys think about that kind of, that planet that uh, Anya and Zhao, um like they visit because they're trying to find that guy that has information about Darth Red, and there's this big trial going on, and you know the species is kind of this odd-looking, like really short species, and then there's these these aliens that have like spider legs, but they look like horses. I mean, it was the craziest place. Like, what yeah. did you guys think about that planet?
0: Um, I thought it was, um, yeah, it, was, it reminded me of a planet kind of. It reminded me of a mashup of, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is it Raxus 5 from uh, The Force Unleashed? Uh, was it, uh, Raxus or Raxus Raxus oh, sorry, it Raxus Prime Raxus 5? Oh, Raxus Prime, Raxus 5. Oh, yeah, Raxus Prime. It kind of, it reminded me of an organic version of Raxus Prime, of, uh, like, the big floating brain things in the air, but the very kind of um, uh, red kind of atmosphere, and it's all, like, really sandy and kind of... It was like kind of almost a mini Tatooine, like with all the kind of dead sand and massive buildings. Um, but I thought it was it definitely put uh, a twist with the kind of visual aspects of the storyline because you kind of suddenly go oh, it's a bit weird. And it definitely, it definitely like refreshes uh, the kind of storyline as well. But um, I thought it was just a it was because it wasn't. I don't think the scenes it didn't uh, go on for too long. They didn't drag it out on that world well too much. So I think that was just a nice little added extra.
2: Yeah. That poor little guy like the way he died was pretty horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> Falling on that like spike tree or whatever and just basically impaled him. I was like, "Man, I mean, I know he was a bad guy, but still that that was a pretty bad way to go."
1: <laughs> it it was pretty it was pretty brutal. Like you almost expected him to have like maybe one more word that was going to come out like all broken, you know. But yeah. no, he just had the one phrase, and that was it.
2: And it was not even, yeah. It was kind of like, uh, "I'll see you in hell" or something like that.
1: Basically, <laughs> yeah, he
2: wasn't he he wasn't very repentant in his death for sure. Uh, one of my favorite characters in the series that we haven't really talked about yet is the the Imperial Knight that kind of goes rogue, you know, because he he has this vision where you know he sees the Empress get killed by Darth Red, and the actual you know the the government of the um i guess it's an, is it imperial government it's weird to say that as the good guys but the yeah. the imperial government is okay with letting kind of darth red go around and kill the other sith because they think they're he's basically doing their job for them but this one uh imperial knight jael assam is like no we need to go kill him because if we don't he's going to kill the empress because he had this vision and he's actually one of my favorite characters in the comic i really like him um and you know Kind of the main characters of the comic were, were him and Anya this time. They didn't really focus as much on Salk or AG uh, thirty seven, which I was kind of sad because I really like him as as a character. But yeah, so I, re- I really like the characters, um, you know, of Anya and Jo, and I think that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of where they take the where they take them.
1: I'm actually kind of glad we're gonna get more to the story. I guess I was really sad after reading Dawn of the Jedi, so I was like, yay.
2: Yeah, I think we get one more full volume, and then like a, and maybe a small. I think there's a couple issues beyond that, and then that's it. So, yeah, this is another one. It'll be sad to see when it ends, but we have a little bit more to go in
0: this series.
1: Is there anything else you guys wanted, or that Aaron you wanted to talk about?
0: Um, the Imperial Knights actually. Um, I really love um the concept of them. Does anyone know when they kind of formed the Imperial Knights?
2: That's one of those things that's kind of left hanging with the, the the current novels that were coming out, the the Fate of the Jedi series was starting to hint they were starting to hint at that establishment, but they never mm-hmm. really explained it and never tied it together with the comics and I think they were going that direction, but now obviously with the new direction of the novels, I don't think we'll probably find out anytime soon. But yeah, um, there there isn't a definitive, as far as I know, unless there may be somebody out there who knows and I don't. But I don't think there's a definitive story on how that was established. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I love the concept, and I think their red armor and everything just looks so cool. And yeah,
0: there. and it is, it is weird knowing them as kind of basically the goodies, um, kind of because I just I still can't, can't get my head around it. Like you, you kind of Imperials are now good good guys.
2: Yeah, and I think they kind of established. Like, did you have you read the the fate of the Jedi novels?
0: Uh, no, I haven't actually. Okay,
2: well, I won't say too much then because I don't want to spoil anything for you. But yeah, they definitely were kind of starting to, to hint at why the the Imperials, you know, would, in a sense, be good guys going forward with uh, some of that storyline.
0: Mm, I thought um, I I really liked it as well um because I thought. Uh, I don't know if anyone else kind of found this, but I also thought um, again uh, with Dawn of the Jedi*, I found that the Imperial Knights are kind of like um, the kind of like samurai uh, with their the way they practice and the way they use their um, their lightsabers and their kind of uh, vows of honor and um, benevolence. And I really love that kind of um, aspect to kind of that link between real life. Um, and star wars and kind of keeping george lucas's um inspiration still like woven into legs all the different comics um so i really love that kind of aspect of it
2: yep mm-hmm. and even their armor looks very samurai like like the way the mm-hmm. shoulders of the armor is and things like that so yeah i, d- I definitely see that parallel as well mm-hmm. love it so do you want to go ahead and wrap up uh Teresa? sure did you have any final thoughts on the comic? Did you enjoy this comic?
1: Um. Yeah, I did. And I enjoyed the story. I think I just got kind of confused at certain points. And definitely using the word Imperials throws me off because I know they're supposed to be the good guys. But I guess I'm trained with Jedi stuff and Star Wars stuff to think <laughs> that Imperial means bad. So I had to keep reminding myself throughout the comic that that's a good thing. It's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so it got a little bit confusing, and to be honest, I don't really trust the um, the Empress, like, at all. Um, I'm not sure why, I just don't. There's just something that tells me, like, that may not be a good person.
2: Did you did you read the comics with, like, Cade Skywalker and things, with, with that character?
1: I don't think I did.
2: Okay. Yeah, the earlier Legacy comics um, with Cade Skywalker, uh, she was kind of more of a main character in those. So you probably would feel differently about her if you had read those comics cuz they kind of do establish her more as a a pretty solid good guy.
1: Yeah, probably.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh any final thoughts PT? Um she, you know, the Empress actually reminded me um of Monmother a bit. Uh just the kind of the white robes and that kind of um not innocence, but uh, that kind of general good aspect of just kind of wanting to keep everything in order. Um, she's kind of rocking the uh, Wonder Woman crown there yeah, on her, yeah, right yeah, on her forehead. Just, yeah, it's a nice. So you've got Batman and Wonder Woman in Star Wars now. <laughs> it's got a Marvel mashup, or is it DC? No, a Marvel mashup.
1: No, D-D-D-C, DC.
0: Oh, damn, DC. Shame. <laughs>
1: All right, well, um, that kind of brings us to the end of the show. So, um, PT, why don't you tell people where they can find your stuff online if they want to kind of keep up with you?
0: Uh, so you can uh, follow me on Twitter at, uh, at LightsaberHilt. Uh, um, or uh, if you want to read some of my reviews, just go on to Giant News uh, every Wednesday, and my reviews will be up there. And uh, make sure to like the Jedi News Facebook page uh, because about half the content going up on that is uh, mine. And, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much my social networking stuff.
1: Cool. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm checking it right now just because I'm curious. We are at 9,229 likes on Facebook for Jedi News. So if you haven't liked us yet, go like us. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Let's see. So on our next episode, we're going to be reviewing um, Darth Vader and the Cry of Shadows. So start reading it now so you can listen to our next episode.
2: Another on t- Darth Vader comic?
1: <laughs> we're going to have a few more of those before we oh, are done. I know, I know. Um, it's not that we don't love Darth Vader. We do, but there's so many Darth Vader comics.
0: No, no, tell me about it. <laughs>
1: So you can um, find us on Twitter. We're at SWBookworms. And then our email is StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And I've said this before, but um, we've stopped kind of getting emails from listeners. Not as many as we used to. So, you know, get on over there. Send us some emails because if we get some in, we will read them at the top of the show.
2: We need to do another giveaway. That's when people were sending us a ton of emails.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Do you have anything to give away? (laughs)
2: I'll pull something off my bookshelf
1: alright but yeah we really love emails so um, even if it's just an email to say hey nice show or nice interview or whatever Um, so send us an email and we will read it at the top of the show
2: and you can always like us on Facebook Uh, check us out over there for all the latest updates on the Star Wars books and comics news and um, you can leave us a review on iTunes Um, we would love for you to leave us a 5 star review that's our favorite kind so head on over to itunes look for us star wars bookworms and uh hit us up with a, a nice review and you can awesome that would be great <laughs> and you can find Teresa on uh twitter and instagram at ice cold penguin
1: and you can find aaron he's at Av goins so until next time may the force be with you